Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the Text to Pastor line at 678 951 9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. All right, guys. Well, we uh, celebrated Easter on Sunday, and uh, it was a it was an awesome day. Obviously, very very different uh, Easter than I've ever ever had. Um, but I was grateful to be. All of us were there, and so we at least we had Easter mm-hmm. together, socially distant. Didn't get to see any of your families though. Which um, did, did your families get dressed up at all? Um, no, the, the Papa family has a hard time getting dressed up pretty much any day. So yeah, you uh, don't have to. So, <laughs> so we struggled yesterday as well. But. Yeah. The Papa's everyone except you though. You always walk out, yeah, I, I you had, know, I had some dress kind of to the pastel nines. flowers on or yeah. something. Yeah. I made mom proud. Yeah. You were, you were looking good. Um, you know, all, all our kids, they, they ended up putting their Easter outfits on yeah. and it was awesome. Paige, uh, Paige showed me this. Uh, this was funny. She, she can't tie a tie, and so John Kellis really wanted to wear a tie, and so she just like wrapped it around a bunch of times his neck there, That's and awesome. so <laughs> That's amazing. I know. So anyway, good looking kid though. <laughs> well, we talked. Uh, we were in Matthew twenty seven. It wasn't like a super textual sermon. I, I really my my hope in this was just to kind of frame the like why is this important? Um, you know. I would think even kind of most secularly minded people believe that um, there was a historical Jesus um, and that whether or whether or not there was a resurrection, um, it, uh, what does it really matter? You know, and I, I kind of think that that's an interesting take to the question. I think that Christians, um, we go really far with the, well, if there was a resurrection, then, you know, trump card, case closed. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like we find ourselves in this moment where people are even saying, I do think that's an interesting question. Was there a resurrection? And obviously it's significant if there was, but I kind of feel like we're in this moment of, okay, well, let's say there was. Like, let's say there was a resurrection. It's not like Jesus is like still around, you know, it's not like, People are still conversing with him now. And so what does it really matter that this event happened 2,000 years ago? And, and what does it really have to do with our lives now? What is an ancient Jewish man, why does he matter so much to modern people? And that was kind of the big question I was going to try to answer. And I actually think that the, the real answer is not just that a resurrection happened. It's that, as the centurion says, surely this was the Son of God. You know, this is something, this is God visiting us. Mm -hmm. And that is incredibly significant. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And you had Lazarus being raised from the dead. Um, This certainly was not the only uh, resurrection. Well, even in this passage, there's many people raised from the dead. Exactly. Yeah. So there's something specific about this resurrection um, and that it, it is that the God of the universe came to dwell with man and suffer um, at the hand of Pilate. Yeah, it's, it seems like uh, the the nuance or slant you took on um, 
Easter Easter Sunday, I thought was interesting because it you, you it seems like you're yeah you're asking the question why why do we need a resurrection because you're walking through all these um, why do we need one in the first place so walking through all these like uh, kind of like C.S. Lewis argument from desire all these like deep kind of soul questions that that the the chasm and the void and the things that we all chase and pursue and and uh, you know you're 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 talking about the resurrection from that standpoint why do we need it in the first place so uh, it's definitely a you know, something that hits, hits everybody. Well, and that was something you were talking about, George, just kind of the identity idea of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it gets to the point of it being the resurrection. Why does, why does this resurrection matter so much? It's because Jesus enables that this resurrection actually becomes our resurrection. Why is that important? Because yeah. we're, we're broken, right? Our, our fundamental yeah. identity is broken and, and we are, we are bent towards wrong and sinful desires and then jesus comes and says i mean it's it's what Romans six says right we now are able to be in in jesus we're able to be in his death we're able to be in his resurrection life and that fundamentally changes everything about us which is mm. incredible yeah i i think that just to your point about like our brokenness i i do think i mean i have to believe that any sort of introspection at all leads you to this. I mean, even I mentioned David Foster Wallace at one point, I think you're going to talk about that, Blake, like, Mm -hmm. uh, he has this famous commencement speech. That's where he brought that up. And of course, David Foster Wallace did ultimately kill himself. I mean, Mm -hmm. but his kind of thing in that commencement speech was like, how do you live any day on this life without blowing your head off? Like, and I think it was just your point. Like he realized like, look, we're so broken in all of these little attempts that we make at identity or purpose or value. Like they're a, they're so small. I mean, a, if you really took the successes that, that we have and you measure them up, the things that we, that make us feel really special and proud and important, they're all like really, really, really small, you know? I mean, I'm sure Matt Pop at one point won like the three point shooting contest in Hall County or something like that. But as if that one's still on my wall, yeah, yeah, (laughs) as important as that is, it's like, who knows about Hall County, Georgia? I mean, who even really cares? And so everyone, (laughs) well, we live in a unique time where with social media and the internet, where we can actually see Mm -hmm. how insignificant, our achievements are right anything that i do any sense of achievement that i can you know achieve i can i can immediately go on to instagram or youtube and find people who are so much better right yeah so much more significant yeah and and so it confronts all of us con- constantly and and that's why so many of us are walking around with a sense of dread and insignificance and questioning our identity because it it I mean to your point you shared on Sunday like it it doesn't satisfy it doesn't achieve what we are trying to you know it it doesn't hold the weight that we want it to hold yeah yeah it's um to your point about social media you know Abby and I will find ourselves from time to time just kind of going back through social media you know we'll go back through our Facebook timeline and and we like it's really interesting right it's almost as if that is who we are right um but then you're confronted like even last night i know like the d's family they slept through the big storms last night no no thoughts at all but 
the Rogers family, we were like, you know, the way the Weather Channel's talking about this thing, all of this could be over, like in one, one down tree. And so, like, we're hunkered down in our basement, and it just like, you know, the 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 platforms that we ascribe meaning to mm-hmm. or that we look to for like, Hey, that is significance. Hey, that is life. Oh, look at all that we have like done, whether that's having children, whether that's like real accomplishments, winning the three point contest of Hall County, whatever that is like one little storm. Yeah. But one little storm could come yeah. and wipe it all away. It wasn't supposed to be this way, Blake, yeah. but, but it, it is, but it is. Yeah, yeah. but it did. I, I, I love that scene. Uh, from Lonesome Dove that I talked about. Have any of y'all seen Lonesome Dove? Gosh. No. It's six, it six hours. It's six hours. It's a slog, but it is so well acted. It's not even really that well made. I mean, there's like some, because it's a TV miniseries from 1989. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some like scenes in there. Like there's this one like dust storm scene where you're like, uh, they should have spent some more budget money on that. Mm-hmm. But the acting is so good. I mean, it's Robert Duvall, who I think is one of the best actors ever. And then Tommy Lee Jones, who's incredible. And there's like Danny Glover's in there. There's a lot of really mm-hmm. good actors, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it, man, Gus just captured, like, there's so many points in life where like, yeah, it shouldn't happen, but it, but did. it did, but it yeah. did. And, 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 and we're in this moment where we know that we're broken and we know that these things don't satisfy and we all are trying to make up for it. And here's the deal. I mean, and this is what I wanted people to understand. Like you were meant to know God and have fellowship with God and all these things that you desire, like security and prosperity and identity and justice and all these things that we desire. And there's more than that, but the, the plight of man will never be really satisfied until uh, we're reunified with God. Mm-hmm. And the only way for that to happen, the only way that that could happen is what God has done for us in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a, it's a, it's an awesome thing to think about. Yeah. If you've ever experienced injustice, um, that, that feeling of like, I want to make this right. You know, that, that is a resurrected thought, yep. right? That's a, you know, I had, we had some friends that had their vehicle stolen last night and they woke up this morning and they could watch it on their like little ring video stream. And it's like, and even I, as I watch it, I'm like, no, like, let's turn this around. Let's make this right again. There's something within us that, that desires like, when the broken things are experienced, when injustice happens, we, we desire resurrection yeah, from yeah. that. And I think the fact that you desire, you say that like, that shouldn't have happened is your kind of what I call like garden memories. It's that mm-hmm. part of your, your psyche that's still connected to what should happen, the way it should be. Uh, you know, we should expect that people get their cars broken into and stolen. I mean, that happens all the time. But still, when it happens, it's like, no. This sh- why yeah. is this happening? Yeah, this shouldn't have yeah. happened. Uh, this is wrong. Um, Matt, you, I thought, just were making an observation just about this idea of Christ coming on our behalf, being righteous, but then being forsaken. And yeah, it I, feels. I, I just thought it was a really interesting metaphor. I'd never, never heard it this sort of way before. You were talking about your dad, you know, this example of, a, of a, an amazing father. And uh, all the things that sort of come along with that, your trust in him and, and, and faith in him. And that, that obviously a, a dad like that would never, would never forsake you. And, and usually a metaphor would go from that point, you know, how much, how much more than will God do X, Y, Z or ABC. And, uh, but it, you know, it's actually at the cross, it's the total inverse. And, and, and uh, you know, instead of how much more it was like, 
well, actually, God, the perfect father, totally disappeared and totally forsook his son. And it's just so that that the metaphor, the way that was sort of positive was so unnerving, uh, but good in, in a really thoughtful way. And it just makes you think, well, you have to think then why? Why did that happen? What, what's, go, what's going on there? And, of course, it's like the, um, I think it was Tim Keller, I forget who said it, but, you know, that Jesus was forsaken so we never would have to be, you know, and, and that, that. But the depth of that, that uh, how much he was forsaken because of, because of how good of a father God is, is like it's way more in, intense and more extreme because of that. Yeah, like why I never, I was saying to these guys earlier, I, I think I mentioned it yesterday, like, you know, Blake is a loyal friend, but like, and if Blake like ever like betrayed me or whatever, I'd, I'd feel really bad, but you know, it'd be like, okay, well, I guess that happens sometimes with friends or, you know, Paige, you know, she's an amazing wife, but if I like cheated around on Paige and did a bunch of stupid stuff, um, you know, there's a possibility that she could leave me, you know, for that. Um, but it's like my dad, like John Dees, like it's hard for me to imagine like what I could do to have him betray me, abandon mm-hmm. me. He's such a faithful and loyal father. And, and you could just almost feel like how much more shocking was it for Jesus to be forsaken by his father? How much deeply painful was it? And obviously he wasn't just abandoning him. He was punishing him on our behalf. Uh, it just this, that moment is just so weighty, but, but to your point, like, how can I, why now can I trust in God? Why now can I trust that God's not going to forsake me, even though I mess up and sin a lot? Uh, why now can I actually have more confidence in the father's unforsaking love than mm-hmm. I do even in Blake's or my dad's or pages? It's because of what he did to Christ. It's, it's because of the confidence they have on the cross. And that's a, an amazing thing to meditate on mm-hmm. um, the depth of that pain that Christ felt but then the depth of the security that it provides for us mm-hmm. and the weight of the glory of you know God the Father didn't just um, punish his son he also glorified him and honored him in the resurrection right and right. Um, it doesn't as, end as the first yeah. fruits right and so it's um I don't know. I, I feel like you could you could gaze at that whole like three days in the in the life of Jesus and just like chew on it and look at it from all of its many different facets and it's all ridiculously meaningful and moving um, and gives us a glimpse at the the complexity and the the beauty of um, of our God. That's the thing. It is so significant. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it did happen two thousand years ago. It did happen in an obscure place. It is kind of an obscure little moment in history if you think about it. I mean, it wasn't like during the great, some great conflict or war. It's mm-hmm. just like something that happened in history, but it is significant and will be significant for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. So at one point in the sermon, you mentioned, um, and you referred to this earlier, the David Foster Wallace quote, um, where you had the two young fish swimming along they bypass the older fish who says how's the water today and then they later look at one another and they're like uh what what is water you know what what does this mean um and and you talked about how you know it's very easy for us to identify the sin in other people but it's hard for us when we're in this sin-ridden life to actually see the own sin, our own sin that we're living in 
Um, speak to that a little bit. How, how do we get through that? Um, what are some what are some like practical steps to like ensure that we aren't living like in sin unknowingly? You know, I think that we're, we, we're kind of in this moment where people will say you have the greatest clarity when you look within. But I would say like, no, you only find true clarity when you have an external perspective, when, when you have someone who looks from without. Now, you can meditate on those things. So there is, I mean, obviously there is value and in introspection, but it's introspection with out, you know, outer perspective that really is valuable. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you're just a fish in water, you can't even understand where you are, you mm-hmm. know, all you know is water, all you know is this life. And if you're just a, a human sinner, it's actually very, very difficult to understand that that is a reality of, of yourself. Um, and so what do you do? rather than getting someone else to speak into your life, you begin kind of judging the world from your perspective. And I think that's how most people live. Mm -hmm. They don't ever have that moment of clarity where from the outside, someone says to them what is true. And, And again, you might say, well, why should I trust what's coming from the outside? And I'd say you probably shouldn't unless the outside person is completely objective and completely righteous and completely holy and completely powerful and of course, that's what we believe mm-hmm. God is, and, and the judgments He's brought to us by His Word. So. And isn't that that's the the power and significance? One of the aspects of the cross is we're actually able to see the seriousness of our sins. We have yes, to we have good. to come through the darkness. J.C. Ryle said, "You have to dig down deep in order to build high." Right? You have to you have to see the depths of your sin and the seriousness of your sin in order to experience the true forgiveness of of God. And and at times I want to bypass that, right? I just want to get to the forgiveness, but it ends up feeling hollow if I if I don't see the righteous standard of God, um, both that I've failed to meet, but then also that Jesus is gloriously kept in in all of its fullness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you only ever see your sin from your perspective, the cross will never be necessary, yeah. right? I mean, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, it was kind of bad. Maybe like a slap on the hand, but, you know, mm-hmm. certainly not the death of God, you know. And yeah. so, yeah, you, you have to begin seeing it from God's perspective. Um, and the cross, as you said, helps mm-hmm. us do that. And then, like, just practically uh, for church members, you know, that's why it is important to to gather weekly, you know, under the preached word to have objective God preached the character of our objective God preached to us over us to show us weekly and even more regularly through yeah. personal devotion through it's just group accountability gathering. of the yep. saints. I mean, you know, look, if, if ever I try to lose weight or, you know, go on a diet, it, it really only works if for me, again, you know, y'all are probably more disciplined than I am, but it really only works for me if I like regularly weigh myself or Mm -hmm. if I like am in a weight loss competition, you know, I lost like 20 something pounds in 25 days, which is not healthy. I wouldn't recommend this, but I was competing with another guy, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there was this external reality that made me totally think through everything that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, but if I try to do that on my own, if I just say, I'm going to eat right, you know, I can justify the, the second and the third and the fifth, Oreo cookie mm-hmm. every single time. Um, and I think that's just kind of how we are. Of course we can, we can justify these things. I'm not that bad. You know, I'm, I'm decently in shape guy. 
Um, and so, yes, we need those external things to actually give us clarity. Mm-hmm. And that's true in every part of your life, mm-hmm. not just your sin and your righteousness. Well, I think, yeah, I think to that point, I think it's, it's, um, it's a point of why it is so important for us to weekly gather uh, under the teaching of God's word, gathering with the saints. And, I, you know, I, I think this is a unique time where it's, it's easier for us to not click on to the live stream because yeah, we're, oh yeah. you know, busy with our kids or distracted or doing yard work or whatever. And I can, I can speak from my own experience of the past, you know, four months. So since January 1st, we, we've kind of been nomads. I've been traveling a lot and serving in different churches and, and I've felt the effect of it. Uh, of not regularly being with the same oh, pastors yeah. teaching me the same group uh, who's you know watching over my soul and I just think it's important you know included obviously in what we're talking about the mm-hmm. seeing our sin and that sort of thing but, but then just being reminded of the gospel mm-hmm. and and we don't I mean I I have I have seen it only after now having experienced it back in my life again yeah uh, and looking back and say wow that had an effect. Yeah, no, that's good. All right, let me totally shift gears. Why then, we didn't really talk about this, but why should we believe? Why is it sensible to believe that the resurrection did actually happen? That these these things aren't just mm-hmm. myth, but I mean, I think you true. Have, yeah, and you mentioned, um, you know, all of the apostles. This may have been the in the, uh, this devotional, was the devotional yeah, as yeah. well, but like, I mean, all of these men died for this you know. died like horribly like Hor- these aren't deaths. yeah these yeah. aren't like yeah yeah you know right this guy somebody came up and shot him in the head no, no these are no, like no. excruciatingly you know it's coming things, you're being yeah. nailed on a yeah. cross yeah yeah and so i think there's the um the external evidence of like hey you know there there are people who actually like gave their lives in dramatic ways to this thing and I think Jason Byer said uh, last week, you know, people die for lies all the time, but they don't die for things that they know to be lies, you yeah. know? And so um, if these men knew that this was just a hoax, if they knew that this was just some kind of heist, they wouldn't have died for it. It's reasonable to think that. And and they suffered for it too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, like those deaths were, were rough. Um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of, there's, there's more questions in my mind to be answered if there was no resurrection than if there was was, a resurrection, right? I mean, there, there are more things that don't make sense that you have to have some like really plausible explanation for if there was no resurrection, um, Mm -hmm. than if there was a resurrection, um, and that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should believe it, but you can't just write it off. Right. Yeah. yeah you can't just say this didn't happen. There's no way. Uh, other, other thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I think that there's, um, obviously you can, you can study, you know, the historical accounts and, you know, um, I think there's legitimate reasons to, uh, see the validity of the resurrection. I, I'm impacted by, similar to what you guys were saying, but just the accounts of these people. If, if, I'm, if I'm Peter, um, then I'm making sure that the, the writers of the gospel accounts are communicating how fearful we were, how dejected we were, 
um, because our whole lives, what we had given our lives to, had seemingly ended. Uh, and then this radical transformation when Jesus appears again mm-hmm. as a resurrected king. And then you see in Acts, right, the continuation of this new kingdom and this gospel moving forward. Like that, um, that's compelling. And, and it's, I, I find it comforting that they are communicating how, how <laughs> dejected they were, right? Sure, how yeah. fearful and anxious they were. Um, because I, I, I do think it, it, it shows us, demonstrates to us, um, this happened and right, it radically yeah. transformed everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I think that if I was just making this up as a myth, I mean, that's a compelling argument. Uh, the, dis, if I was creating these narratives as myth, I would make them out to be just, you know, I'm a hero. Like, right. I was always the head of the class. I was always awesome. I wasn't scared out of my mind. I didn't abandon Christ. I would never have written the story mm-hmm. in about, me denying Jesus three times, you know, before the, I would, I would present myself in a way that I would be proud of because again, I'm, I'm in sense, I'm in a sense marketing, right? What, mm-hmm. You know, these books were marketing, right? And the fact that the disciples are presented as so kind of faithless and weak, it's like, why would they ever do that? I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's a pretty compelling argument. Another, another one that I, I've kind of always been, compelled by as I think about these things, you know, you know, Blake's point, they're all willing to suffer and die. The, 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 the books are written in such a way that it it doesn't really frame these uh, people, you know, too, too well. And the, the other one that, um, that I think is really, really compelling NT Wright really gets into in the resurrection of Jesus is there was a lot of other messianic movements around the time of Jesus, you know, Judah Bar Kokhba and, um, you know, others. And when they died, their movements kind of ended, right? And so how would you have been able to pull off this resurrection story in a meaningful way in this time without something to give it validity mm-hmm. like how could they have pulled this off and especially this group like this is a pretty unsophisticated group of people yeah, like right. how could they have just how could they have pulled this off unless something was happening and then how can paul for example in first corinthians say there's 500 people go ask them like at some point there would have been you know the new york times of this day that would have said hold on let's go back and look at the evidence all of his stories being made up, da, 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 da. And you don't really see this. It's getting off the ground. It's, it's gaining steam. Um, and very quickly people are willing to suffer for it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, even think of like Paul's early work when he was Saul and Stephen and all these things like early, early on, there was a resistance movement, but they can't put it down. That to me is pretty compelling that something happened that was, that were definitely moving people. Mm-hmm. All right, one other question, and we'll just do a popcorn around the room. Papa, you can start. How should this impact us? How should all these things impact us? And maybe speak to the Christian person, the person that does believe. As we meditate, as we dig deep into this, what should we come away from Easter thinking? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, to to the point you had, kind of, I think it was toward the end of your sermon, You you it's another kind of C.S. Lewis type of argument, but for Christians, where he says, you know, Lord Liar Lunatic. He's he's uh, uh, Christianity. If 
if if true is of you know utmost importance you know uh he says you know it can't be the only thing christianity cannot be is moderately important you know if the resurrection is true um so i i think that's yeah i guess it's just a prophetic kind of uh intense word for all of us if if it's true then it's gotta it's gotta change everything uh it can't just be sort of okay Mm -hmm. a dead guy is is living now cool okay um, it, it's there, there's there's uh, there's lightning in it and thunder and and fury and and it and it's got to do something. Yeah, it's good, Jordan. Yeah, I think that uh, to to use the David Foster analogy another another way, I think for Christians we can grow up or we can live in uh, the water that is the crucifixion, Jesus, the gospel, and and not be impacted by it. Yeah. Um, yeah, not not actually choose it daily. Um, but when I look at my own life, the uh, the the questions of identity and the functional decisions that I make that either affirm Christ's identity in me or chase these other identities of significance and self-worth or sinful desires or whatever, um, that's a that's a daily decision, mm-hmm. you know, that I, that I can make, and and so I think, even as we've been talking, I've just been reminded that being in Christ and and living in the resurrection power of God um, is a beautiful, freeing, joyful existence. That's mm-hmm. what I want, yeah. and and so I think, you know, th- this this transformative event when we see the glory of God, Jesus being glorified, it works itself all the way down into the individual decisions that I make, uh, even in the morning of where I go to for joy, mm-hmm. um, in Jesus and his resurrection versus trying to find it somewhere else. That's good. Blake. That's good. I, I was actually going to say something similar to Jordan, but, um, there's actually just a lot of joy in trusting in this narrative in trusting that there's a God who's in control, mm-hmm. who makes all of the bad things come untrue in the person and work of Jesus. It's a lot of fun to trust in that narrative. And so I just encourage everybody to, to seek to understand it better, to revel in it, um, to speak it to one another, and, uh, and live joyfully as unto the Lord. It's a good place to close. Well, guys, thanks so much. A lot of good stuff to think about. Hope you have a great week. Even if, it, if anyone wants to come see my trophy from uh, third grade basketball three-point championship, you yeah, can come dude, by my house. Yeah, I want to see it. Awesome. Matt's having to put to death that identity all the time, and it's hard. It's it hard, guys. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. know the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> well, for Matt Papa, Jordan Coughlin, and Blake Rogers, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.